Welcome once again to the Resonant Rest podcast, conversations with musicians recorded on unceded Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh territory in so-called Vancouver. Today's episode will be the conversation I had with Tanya Ganaba, and we'll just get right into it. Ganaba is somebody who I admire a lot. They are an artist who makes beautiful music and also gives people the truth at their shows in a way that is really inspiring. And honestly, really, I feel heartwarming for a lot of audiences. Like, I'm often at a lot of their shows, and there's this feeling when they play that I think is the result of the, the truth that they share, mm. that feels really like a moment, a moment in time, you know? Tanya is also really involved with just helping people and being a person in the community who does stuff for people. <laughs> Those are probably the things I would say about you. Okay. What do you think? I love everything that you said about me. Um, thank you so much for the compliments. I appreciate and I'm glad that um, when you are present, when I make music with the people that I love, mm-hmm. that it's um, you find it to be an illuminating or truth-filled experience. Mm. And I think some of the things you mentioned um, in terms of like me being a person who was active in the community and like trying to quote unquote help help the community, a lot of the truth that is in my shows stems from those relationships and Mm. those um, spaces that I find myself in. So I organize with the Defund 604 Network, which is an abolitionist organizing group based in so-called Vancouver that is um, organizing to defund, dismantle, decarcerate, and abolish the police in its entirety because we believe in a police-free future and a future that is free of um, all forms of state and police violence. I also am a member of Vandu, which is the Vancouver area network of drug users. So a lot of the truth and the conversations that I'm trying to have or bring to light in my shows are, you know, um, directly related to the experiences that I have organizing with those groups. So talking about abolition, talking about how to challenge the power of the state, talking about the hypocrisy of the Canadian government, talking about how drug policy is killing our communities, and then, you know, talking about the ongoing increase of violence and harm that we're seeing in our communities and, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to think think of ways and participate in ways and encourage ways that really address those root causes and music is a part of that I've Mm -hmm. always believed that music and creativity has to be a part of the movement because otherwise how do you heal from the constant trauma of just being overwhelmed by how fucked the state is and Mm. how fucked life is music is there to like bomb the wounds of all the trauma that we're going through and also a way to communicate with people these complex ideas I'm constantly thinking about like how do I write about anarchism in a way that's like a bop you know (laughs) oh my god (laughs) is that like something that you wonder often I literally had that conversation with myself today (laughs) I went to a a workshop this morning with um I cannot remember his name for the life of me and that's my bad but um former Black Panther 
was a political prisoner. He, I think it was in the 60s, maybe 64, hijacked a plane to mm-hmm. Cuba <laughs> to escape the, the FBI. Cool. And um, has been uh, one of the leading minds in the study of uh, black anarchism and black liberation and movements and what it means to like advocate for a socialism that is not related to the state. Mm. And I left this workshop just so like, whoa, okay, now that I understand, <laughs> have an understanding of like this concept and idea, how, do, how would I transmit to people without freaking them out that anarchism is actually just believing in people, mm. believing that people have the capacity, the ability, the heart, the mind, the care and the love for one another and themselves mm. to manage themselves. Mm. And um, I haven't figured it out yet. But <laughs> check it out. Next album, there's going to be a tune called Anarchy for You and Me. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Cool. Amazing. Thank you. Yes. What does creativity look like in your life? And like, how does music fit into that? Hmm. Well, I'm really happy that I am um, able to be creative in a, an array of different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I love to paint, I love to write, I love mm. to write music, I love to sing, I love to play music with my band and my brothers, my friends, my sisters, my family members. I find a lot of that fulfillment that I look for in engaging in creative practice. I Mm -hmm. get a lot of that from being involved in different, you know, struggles and community groups and like Mm. putting my skills as a person who doesn't have a hard time talking, as a person who is, you know, facilitating spaces and conversations, using those um, creative skills that I have in the service of, you know, larger movements is Mm. really fills my soul. But creativity is... It means a lot of different things for me these days. Mm. Um, I think for a long time, I love I love to play live shows and be in community with people and like sharing music that way. Mm-hmm. I've never, I enjoy being in the studio, but like that's not the place where I get my like, ooh, yeah, mm. you know? So over the course of the pandemic, I really have been challenging myself to fall more in love with that part Mm. because obviously the other side was not available unless you're some kind of weird anti-vaxxer and throwing (laughs) private shows in your house like good for you have yourself a little fun i'm not trying to control you but that's not for me (laughs) so yeah i've been really trying to like stoke these other creative leanings that i have that i didn't Mm. prioritize because the one that was most easily accessible to me which is like jamming with friends or playing shows or Mm. whatnot that's something that I'm really comfortable with but what I'm not so comfortable with is like engineering my own sessions or Mm. like you know challenging myself to write songs about anarchy rather than (laughs) bops about ex-boyfriends you know Mm. what I mean and like that's I think that we all as artists go through transformation we go through growth we Mm. go through lulls we go through moments where we just need to rest Mm. and that creativity doesn't have to just exist in that one realm Mm -hmm. there's other ways to to express it but i think that the system that we live in makes us believe that once you pick a lane that's the only lane that you have that's available to you and like totally what do you mean you can't just quit i'm like yeah i can Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I can. We can all just stop. Yeah, totally. It's interesting. I find myself as a musician and as a person who has a lot of musician friends and like people know me as that, you know, mm. and then finding it really sort of intertwined with my identity. Mm. And then it becomes this thing where you're like, if I'm not creating music or if I'm not like playing shows like all my friends, who am I? Yeah. Right. And that's just not real. It's not it's not real. We were just having this conversation earlier with Kinbalam mm. when we were mentioning that, like, it's who you are as mm. a person, right? Practice makes permanent, yes. If you mm. work at your craft, you become better at it. But, like, there's that intrinsic spark, that creative spark, that flame, that energy that you that is unique, that makes you fall in love with your craft. Mm-hmm. And no matter whether you put a single out or put an album out or collaborate with somebody or whatever, that doesn't just disappear. Mm-hmm. It's still in there. Mm-hmm. It's just that you've chosen not to succumb to the capitalist mode of expressing that mm-hmm. gift or ability. Mm-hmm. And um, I've really been struggling with this over the course of the pandemic because I had a lot of life changes and a lot of growth that I needed to do that I felt like didn't music had to take a backseat for me to really be able to process a lot of the things that I was experiencing and the things that were being asked of me Mm. and like being able to hold space for the realness of my life Mm -hmm. and also engaging with my however many followers on a day-to-day basis is Mm. like bro does it make me less of a musician now that I don't have a Facebook or an Instagram no no yeah it makes me less of a professional working stiff (laughs) I should say that but it doesn't take away in any way, shape, or form who and what I am, which is somebody who makes art. Yeah, so true. I've never heard practice makes permanent. That's yeah. the first time I've heard that. I've got to give credit where credit is due. My ex-partner who uh, passed away many years back now, but mm. rest in peace, Jamie, he always used to say that to me. Mm. Just remember, practice makes permanent. And I'd be like, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'll practice when I'm... I'll practice another time. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool. Mm. Okay. To balance creative time, resting time, everything else, do you set goals? Do you just let stuff happen? What do you imagine when you see a life that, like, has time for everything in it? Do you see that? No. Mm. I don't. I don't see a life that has time for everything in it. (sighs) And also, the life that I thought I wanted Mm -hmm. and the life that I know is possible, well, the life that I think is possible Mm -hmm. and the life that I deeply want in my bones, in my marrow, Mm -hmm. are different things, right? So Mm -hmm. for me... Today, it's about mm, being open to being of service Mm. and recognizing that expectations can be the root of some serious evil Mm. and also the root of some serious disappointment. So that's not to say that I don't set goals for myself. I do have (laughs) goals for myself, but the goals that I have for myself are rooted in reality like my Mm. my 
goal is not to be, for lack of a better example, and because this is the example that my dad always brings up, mm. I don't have the desire in my mind to be Beyonce. So I'm not going to participate. <laughs> not to cuss Beyonce out. Lovely person. <laughs> Love what they've done with the place. I'm laughing because I think it's funny that your dad always brings this up. Oh, yeah. That's really funny. My dad's like, yo, mm. if you're not trying to be Beyonce, I don't know why you're doing what you're doing. And I'm like, ah, see, this is why we fundamentally don't agree on some stuff. I want to say, like, you are iconic unto yourself. <laughs> Thank and you. And it's, like, very funny. That's why it's funny that he would bring that up. But. I, but, you know, this is the thing. Like, my dad just wants me to be successful mm. and have a stress-free life. Mm -hmm. And as far as we have been taught and shown by this society mm. you can only access that happiness that comfort that sense of stability by succeeding in this capitalist structure and mm. i i get that but i don't agree mm -hmm. <laughs> personally i don't agree i find mm. a lot more joy in hmm yeah just finding ways to use music, art, creativity to, one, bring people together, mm -hmm. and two, anchor it or tie it to movements. Mm. Like, for me, I it doesn't make sense for me to be like, okay, I'm going to put all my energy into all my being this guy. And like, mm -hmm. That's not what's needed at, in this moment. We the last thing we need is another celebrity activist. Mm -hmm. What we actually need is people who are willing to get off the pedestal mm -hmm. and get into the community and get their hands dirty and become become one with the struggle mm -hmm. rather than sitting away from it and being like, yeah, what the, f you know? Yeah, I hear that. So I don't know. That's. The challenge is mm -hmm. how do you maintain your values mm -hmm. while not dying? Yeah, <laughs> totally. How to maintain your values while not dying. This is a book that I believe needs to be written. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. Yeah. I, yeah, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. How do you sustain yourself? This could be a question about income or food oh or how you feed your spirit or anything that comes up when you think of sustaining yourself. Poorly. Poorly? Poorly on all fronts. <laughs> um, no, oh. I'm just joking. I. How do I sustain myself? Mm -hmm. I'm so extremely privileged, right? Mm. I... I'm a very, very privileged person in that I lived a a life of relative comfort mm -hmm. as a as a young person. My I came from a, a background where I had access to education. I had access to some post secondary, although halfway through I was like, this is not for me. I'm really blessed that I am able to access different modes of Work or different different kinds of work. So I do a lot of um, facilitation of different kinds of groups. So I work a lot with youth, mm -hmm. and I um, I'm really 
excited by the different kinds of potential that I see in using the skills that I have, like I keep saying, in service of like the larger conversations that are going on. So over Mm -hmm. the course, especially over the course of the pandemic, my focus has really shifted to developing those skills as a facilitator, developing Mm -hmm. those skills as a leader, Mm -hmm. developing my skills as an organizer and a and a politically savvy organizer at that Mm. so that we can actually make a dent when we're clamoring and organizing for change. Mm. So I'm really lucky and blessed that I have access to things that are outside of music to also sustain me Mm -hmm. because there are periods in my time, my life, where music was my only job Mm. and I had to take any and every gig in order to survive Mm -hmm. which meant and this is no disrespect Mm -hmm. to everybody who's doing these gigs but like for me personally there's a there I was getting really burnt out on like Mm -hmm. playing in hotel lobbies or being like the wallpaper at some weird you know place that shouldn't have live music because they're not prepared for it yeah And um, but that's um, that's the rub of being an artist, especially in in um, so-called Vancouver. Yeah, we don't have enough of a population. We don't mm-hmm. have enough of a. There's prioritization on certain kinds of art in mm-hmm. Vancouver. Mm-hmm. They get consistent, regular funding. But when it comes to mm-hmm. live music and venues, I mean, we see it all over the news, especially over the last, you know over the course of this pandemic, it's the venues that have really suffered the most. And mm-hmm. they cannot, there isn't enough of a, a, a rabid, excited Vancouver population to sustain um, to sustain a career without having to, you know, do a bunch of shit that you don't want to do. Totally, yeah. It's interesting you bring up the gigs in hotel lobbies mm. um, booked by the company we also shall not name, which mm. we did not name in the other place where we were um, talking about it um, <laughs> but it's so strange um, to be a musician in those spaces where you're playing a set that you've spent hours preparing right it's like four hours or something oh, yeah. and people are paying like a hundred dollars for a meal mm-hmm. and you walk away at the end of the night with like what two hundred dollars it's like yeah. on top of the fact that it's you know your wallpaper and you're like you know doing this work in this space that isn't really for that mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're making space for it because they're like, oh, we love live music. We want to support live music, whatever. It's interesting that there's this like power dynamic with the payment. I feel where it's like, everyone's really rich there and you're just like there and you're like $200. I don't know. It's like $200 though. (laughs) Holy, that's an improvement from the days when I used to play. It was really, it was really bad (laughs) before. And it's, it's funny because. If the most expensive place in town is abusing their workers and not paying them correctly, what is the impetus for anyone else in the city to behave correctly and pay artists what they're worth? Mm -hmm. There is no reason for them to do that. Yeah. And also, if you don't take that gig, someone's going to take that gig. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm just going to let someone take that gig. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't have to be me. Um, You know... I think about the reasons why I play music, write music. It has very little to do with the music business Mm -hmm. and has everything to do with the fact that music is my way of expressing how fucked up of a person I am, of transmuting all of the wild energy that I don't understand, of like 
processing the experience that I'm going through and mm-hmm. like letting it pass through me, putting it into a, into a song or a poem or a piece of art or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then actually coming to a point where I'm like, okay, I, I understand what I've just experienced or mm-hmm. now I can share with other people my understanding of this experience because mm-hmm. I've gone through the process of putting it out. That that has nothing to do with playing in a hotel lobby. Mm-hmm. You know, that has everything to do with um, being able to express myself totally. and being able to trust other people mm. to do that work with me. Mm-hmm. That really resonates with me. I think I am the same way. Mm. I think like that resonates with me as who I am when I like make music. Right. And it's interesting because I went to music school and I feel like at music school I learned that I was supposed to make money from well I knew I was supposed to make money obviously from when I was a small child in general but like then like focusing on like streams of income in college and being like oh like you should work on ships or whatever you should be a gigging keyboardist and I'm like now I am a gigging keyboardist Mm -hmm. which I enjoy sometimes you know I don't know, like, when I did start writing songs, it was the exact process you just described. As a small child, I started doing that, and that was kind of, like, what I wanted to do, always. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really think about being, like, a gigging keyboardist. Right? (laughs) Like, I never once sat down and thought, oh, you know what I can't wait to do? Lug my guitar on the SkyTrain to North Van to play for some guys that literally hate my guts. Yeah. Like, I did not, that was not part of the yeah. plan. <laughs> that that being said, I'm grateful for those gigs because yeah. they're, if you only want to make music, you can do those gigs and make a, like a, a modest living doing yeah. those gigs. Totally. There are lots of folks who make a really good living doing those cover band gigs. And mm-hmm. I'm like, hell yeah. Yeah. That's dope. Totally. I am certain that that's not for me. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I've done it. I've tried it. I've done mm-hmm. it all over the years. And I've just, I'm an old man now. So yeah. now I'm like, yeah, I just want to write crotchety old grandpa songs. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I love that. Another question. Of course. Is there anything you want to change or nurture here in this place at this time in the musical community? Like, is there anything you want to see? Is there anything you want to do? Is there anything you want to experience? I want to see the musical community, which, as we, as I just said, is such <laughs> a... It's a nebulous term, right? It can mean yeah. so, so, so much, but, like... I want to see the more radical elements within the musical community have mm-hmm. space have space and time to come together to collaborate mm-hmm. and to move forward, you know, these seemingly disparate liberation struggles mm. that we all are a part all of us are a part of whether mm-hmm. you're, you know, part of, you know, a South Asian group working in this neighborhood or mm-hmm. you're part of Black Lives Matter or you're part of the Defund network or or you're working with indigenous folks or whatever. Like there's so many different movements that we are all, you know, either deeply or peripherally involved in. Mm-hmm. And that happens in in our own little silos. And I think it would be so powerful and beautiful to see 
folks make who make music coming together more intentionally around mm. bringing those bringing those movements together and like i say this as a person who can play an active role in doing that mm. but i also think that it's important to actually be playing an active role in those movements mm. before you try and bring folks together around stuff mm. i've seen it before where you know as an artist you're like oh yeah i'm really down with save the children i say that because that was me once upon a time Mm -hmm. i'm really down with save the children (laughs) and i didn't have like deep enough knowledge deep enough roots in order to do that work really meaningfully Mm. so that was my lesson to learn and Mm -hmm. now moving forward i you know i see we see it all the time with like politicians who come out and they're like i'm gonna do everything that i can for the insert here community Mm -hmm. using air quotes yeah yeah and they have no connection whatsoever to the community that they say that they are representing or that Mm -hmm. they are fighting for Mm -hmm. and we as artists we can you know put a block square on our instagram and be Mm. like now i'm a expert on anti-black racism Mm. and i'm like actually it takes relationship building and like Mm. a commitment to being of service and Mm. I think it just always comes back to that like Mm -hmm. I would love to see the music community being of service to the larger community but we are not taught to do that Mm. we're not encouraged to do that as Mm. artists because this is such an okay everything is an individualistic white supremacist capitalist game Mm -hmm. but like the music business yeah oh that's like cutthroat. You're not supposed to have time, energy, space, um, or heart for anything else except the craft, your yeah. audience, the show, the tour. <laughs> You've just listed like so many things that each take so much time. <laughs> it's multiple jobs rolled into one. How are you supposed to prioritize the community in there? Mm-hmm. You can't. You can prioritize them on a surface level, mm-hmm. which is like doing, I don't know. We can prioritize them on a surface level, but what I would love to see is, I don't know, universal basic income so that we as artists can Mm -hmm. actually make the art that we want to make, connect Mm -hmm. with the other musicians that we want to connect with, spread that money around, and also use our art to further calls for justice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a cool idea. Almost every single person has mentioned universal basic income as well in this conversation. That's because we're poor people. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I have one more structured question. Okay. It's it's also kind of a nebulous question. I like it. Um, This is my favorite. Do you have any dreams about the future? Yes. What are they? No police. No police. I dream all of the time about a police-free future. Mm. I dream about living in a society, in a community, in a neighborhood, on a street where we are deeply connected, where it's not a big thing to knock on your neighbor's door and be like, I have extra this, do you need? Or I need this, do you have? I dream about the fall of the state Mm. all the time. I dream about what it will look like to encourage people who are developing new ways of being and living with each other 
and those who are the experts in the ancient ways of living and being with each other. Mm. I dream about what it means to bring those two groups together and completely bypass the bullshit systems that we are currently struggling and being crushed under. Mm. I dream a lot about the internet turning off forever. I dream about it all the time. Do you think it would be good? Yes. Okay, yeah. I think there are lots of ways in which it would suck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are people who are would be impacted by that in mm-hmm. a really negative way. And my hope and my dream includes them still having access to the internet. But like mm. what I dream about is banks, borders, mm. government buildings, all of these all of these ones just like no more access. Mm can't access the internet. I wonder what it would be like for each of us to experiment with a period of time where we are unreachable. Mm. What might transpire for us Mm -hmm. if we are faced with nothing but ourselves? Mm -hmm. The pandemic was a small taste of that. And for many of us, it was awful and we did not like what we saw. Mm-hmm. And for many of us, it was an invitation to, like, go deeper into ourselves and figure out, like, okay, what's my true purpose? <laughs> now that all the bullshit has been stripped away and we're standing here all going, like, we could be dead at any moment because mm. uh, we do have a predator. Mm-hmm. We aren't the apex predator we think we are. <laughs> Funny. It's a tiny little thing like this, you know? Yeah, I wonder all the time what what it would be like for us to return to a time where we don't have all the answers at the tip Mm. of our fingers and we have to like do things Mm. from scratch Mm -hmm. and learn and fail and like know people around us yeah we're not ready for that right now right (laughs) like this is a super white supremacist like ableist racist fucked up society that doesn't know how to take care of itself or its people so Mm You know, I say this and I immediately, I I don't know what the word is. I like tense up a little bit because mm-hmm. I, I do know that like from my own experiences going through, you know, being diagnosed with MS and, you know, not being able to function correctly and like all of the challenges that I experienced during that time, people were not like down to mm-hmm. take care of me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like my relationship ended, like mm. it was really challenging for the people around me to to be there for me mm. when I was sick because this system is not set up for that. Yeah. When somebody is disabled or becomes disabled, it's really difficult mm. in this way of being to understand what's needed at that time. And also as a person who was newly disabled, I did not know how to express what I needed to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, got a lot of dreams. <laughs> got a lot of dreams. I also dream that the stock market will be abolished, but that's that's a big that's a big dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so nothing big. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love how like music did not even factor into any of those dreams. I have no dreams when it comes to music except for continuing to be honest mm. and continuing to use music for myself mm-hmm. and not th- approach it from the headspace that is focused on 
whether it will sell or mm. whether people will like it. Mm -hmm. At this point in my life, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I like what I'm writing. Mm -hmm. I listen to the things that I'm writing and I say, that's true. Mm. That's true. I don't listen to it and say, damn, that song is just about some stupid ass boy. <laughs> Thank you, stupid-ass boy. <laughs> I appreciate everything you've done for me, but I won't be writing about you anymore. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Wow. The, the pandemic has been a really uh, interesting time, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, opportunities to wax poetic are... They're still there. Mm. But, like, not as much as before. Mm. And so having the opportunity to sit and talk with you and share these thoughts and know that um, you're not looking at me being like, oh, this person has lost their mind. <laughs> Sorry, no. did you just say abolish the stock market? Like, <laughs> I said that and you had a totally straight face. Like, yeah, yeah totally. That's like, so funny. I appreciate in, that. In Thomas's interview, he was like, I want to abolish the grant system Hell. and replace it with basic income. And I was like, so... um." Yes, I, I agree. And I'm just like thinking about if he's going to be listening and how many people are invested in the grant system in our lives. And like, nope. you know, <laughs> the grant system is a poor distraction from the fact that we do not have what we need to survive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm personally, I don't go out for grants mm -hmm. because I... I'm not a competitive person, mm -hmm. one. Two, I'm very lazy. Mm. Three, I feel it's whack for us to be competing against each other for a small pot of money, which is actually, we all know that money is fake. Mm. And that there is this lack that we perceive mm -hmm. as being real mm -hmm. is manufactured entirely. Mm -hmm. And if we wanted to, as a society, we could prioritize making sure that people had access to the things they need, like healthcare, yeah. housing, you know, mental health supports, safe mm -hmm. supply, all of these trans free transportation, you know, can walk down the street without running the risk of being annihilated by the police. Like mm. all of these different things that would actually allow set the stage for a person to have a successful career as a musician without getting a grant. Mm -hmm. Like we need to stop putting band-aids mm. over these gaping wounds mm -hmm. and heal the gaping ass wounds through the process of economic debridement <laughs> and allow people to all start on the same level. I mean, not start on the same level because yeah. can't do that. But like, you know, equity mm -hmm. now. Grants are not that. And the little boxes that they put on there for you to check whether yeah. you're queer or black or how many queers are in your band, how many racialized people are in your band. Like, this is not what we're talking about, mm -hmm. actually. Just put the money in the world. Mm -hmm. I don't need to prove to you why I deserve it. Yeah. Why my art or my creativity deserves you, the Canadian government, who would love to see me annihilated for mm. real. Why do I have to explain to you why I'm worthy? Mm -hmm. I'd rather be broke and like make music because I love it and like call my friends for favors mm. than do that system. Mm -hmm. I can't be out here saying fuck the state and then asking the state to help me live. Mm -hmm. I can. Sometimes <laughs> I must because yeah. the situation puts me in a position where there's no other options. But mm -hmm. I have other options mm -hmm. and I would rather exhaust those. Mm -hmm. 
before becoming a stooge. Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect to all of you who is currently writing grants right now. But yeah. For myself personally, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I thank you for sharing your feelings in this space. I know I I have shared feelings in spaces where I'm like, oh my God, can I share this? And I like share something that feels really true to me and I'm not sure how people are going to receive it. And I feel I feel it, you know, so I yeah. I hope I'm holding space for you here to the best space to share what mm-hmm. you're sharing. Mm-hmm. And I thank you for doing so. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for hearing me. Yeah. I know it's not easy to interrogate the systems and structures, Mm -hmm. which we are so used to. Mm -hmm. And we look around and we're like, this is how it's always been. We can't burn it all down. Sorry, Christians. I know that might make you feel mad and shit. Burn it all down? Oh, well, this is a conversation for another... (laughs) That's another conversation. Okay. But, um... (laughs) Yeah, we. it's really hard to interrogate the systems and structures that we are so used to. Yeah. And especially when you... As an artist, like, when are you going to have the time to, like, mm-hmm. learn some economic theory or, like, <laughs> you know, like, really do... I mean, you can. We mm-hmm. should. We should all know. We should all have be having these, like, hard conversations about the ways that the state perpetuates poverty mm. and the way that we get caught in cycles of disenfranchisement and mm-hmm. and how the state picks its favorites mm. and elevates them. Mm-hmm. Like, it's weird. Like, I think a lot about propaganda because everything around us is propaganda. Mm-hmm. And then I think about music and art and the fact that much of it is state-funded. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's... Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if you're an artist who's like actively on a path to undermine the Canadian government mm-hmm. and then you ask the Canadian government to fund your album, mm-hmm. what does that do? Mm. These are the conversations that I'm having with myself. Yeah. I'm certain that one day I will come to a point where I'm like, I'm going to use that the state's money against itself. But that feels gross mm. to me, mm. somehow. <laughs> I, I hear you. I hear you. I don't have the answer either. I don't right? know what to say. Nobody does. <laughs> I don't have the answers. I don't have the answers. You don't have the answers. But this is the thing. Like, yeah, nobody is expecting us to have the answers. We're just supposed yeah. to ask the questions and mm. hope and pray that something becomes illuminated and revealed yeah. to us. Totally. Or the, and that we don't die along the way. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> to that enlightenment. Yeah. We've made it to the part of the episode where I say hello and remind you that you can let me know what you liked about the episode. So you can contact me by direct message on Instagram. My handle is o-c-e-a-a-n dot p-e-n-d-h-a-r-k-a-r so feel free to message me let me know what your favorite part of the episode was you can also email me at oceanpendarker at gmail.com o-c-e-a-a-n-p-e-n-d-h-a-r-k-a-r at gmail.com make sure you stick around till the end of the episode to hear tanya's song afroscience 
Thanks so much for listening and see you next time. In light of the conversations that we're having about, Mm -hmm. you know, the evolution of our art and like the ways Mm -hmm. that the pandemic has changed us and like what what's appropriate to be singing and playing and saying at this time and like mm-hmm. the, the magnitude of this moment and like how much pressure there is to like encapsulate this time mm-hmm. in song form. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the new stuff that I've been working on is really self interrogation and interrogation of the system and, and celebration of the different movements, movement spaces that I've been really privileged to sit in and organize in and, and be a part of building and maintaining. And I would really like to move forward with this, with this podcast, with this interview, by providing a small glimpse into what that means. Mm-hmm. Rather than being like, here's my oldest hit, villain. <laughs> like, nobody wants to hear that shit. I mean, some people do. But, like, I... Absolutely. I've grown since then. Cool. What's the song's title? I'll give you Afro Science. Okay. Because that's, like, the starting point for mm. this whole thing. Awesome. Yay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Do you have anything else you want to say before we close up? Um, you don't have to say anything. I just want to open it to you in case there's any lingering threads. There is a lingering thread. There's always yeah. a lingering. I got like 4,000 lingering threads. But the first and only lingering thread that I would like to tie in a bow before I leave is... Um, thank you so much for having me. It's been oh. a pleasure to talk about <laughs> music, art, creativity, organizing, activism. What does community even mean? We've covered a lot of ground. And um, if I can just leave on this note, I will say um, one of the most beautiful things that you can do to love yourself and love your community is organize for justice and organize against criminalization and repression and police brutality. And I want to say that the Defund 604 Network is a really great place to do that. Obviously, I'm super biased because I am a part of that and I love the work we do there so much, but also want to send out my love and support to the folks from Vandu and Dolph who are doing incredible, incredible organizing, providing um, safe supply to people people who are using and dying and literally they are saving lives. So um, if there's one thing that I can leave um, you all with, it is that the only remedy for the situation that we're in is to organize. Mm. So get involved, get your hands dirty, join a group, join a committee, don't join a political party. <laughs> That's a waste of your life energy. Although there are good people that do politics, but like, mm. that's a waste of your life and energy. Mm. That's so rude. <laughs> it's like, hey, I joined the Green Party because of you. Like, leave. <sighs> <laughs> All futures rely on a good science.
I'm ready. 